0: Alright, alright. Hello everybody. Welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I am your host, as usual. Uh thank you all very much for listening. I know there's a lot of MMA content out there, and you choose mine, so much appreciated. And yeah, anything you can do to help the show, as usual. Star rating, written review, like, comment, subscribe, you know, all the usual stuff there. Whatever's applicable to your podcast platform of choice is always helpful for the mysterious, unknowable monstrosity that are the various algorithms that will soon be running our lives. Oh, the horror of the nebulous future. All right, on the agenda this evening. Last night, UFC returned to Mexico for the first time in four-ish years. Um, And we'll be reviewing that card. We'll preview the upcoming card, which is one of the worst the UFC has ever put out on paper. I am not given to hyperbole. That is just... It is not good. It is not a good card. Your main event is... Oh, isn't it Derek Lewis? And no, it's uh, Jarzina Rosenstrik and Shamil Gaziev. Can we report this to the Hague or something? Like that's almost a human rights violation, isn't it? Um, so we'll talk about that. I do want to talk a little bit about um we had the first PFL versus Bellator card. Um that took place also Saturday, and I want to I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, because oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, so we'll hash that out, and um, yeah, whatever news there is, not a lot, again, it felt like a slow news week, I don't know if it's just the time of year, I don't know, I don't know, it just I didn't see a lot of major m m a news and I don't cover like BS drama, and lo- very rarely. I, ca- I shouldn't say never. I almost never cover just pointless drama because it's pointless. So yeah, that's that's kind of where we are on this episode. So yeah, let's let's jump into it, shall we? So UFC on ESPN plus ninety five. First up, how did I do? on my prediction well your boy went 10-2 one fight fizzled i have added a new column to my spreadsheet that's only for fights that actually like again fizzle so that i can keep track of them it doesn't count one way or the other because usually they get rebooked or whatever but i'd like to make note of it so one fight fizzled raul rosas jr and ricky tercios fell apart um apparently some kind of illness related to weight cutting for rosas not a not a bad illness, I guess, because they're trying to book it for this upcoming card. They're trying to rebook it. Which they announced on the broadcast. Actually on the broadcast. And then Ricky Tercios took to various social media platforms today to say, I haven't signed anything. So look, the UFC has long had a habit of announcing fights that they want before they're actually signed we're just doing that again but hey whatever his illness was you know I I have I have a very low tolerance for the circus it's not really a circus but for the discourse and crap around Rural Rosas which is not really his fault he's just trying to fight but he's not he shouldn't be in the UFC Let me start there. Not that he can't win in the UFC. He has. But he's only 19. He's got serious skill issues. And learning on the job in the UFC is a recipe for disaster a statistically large portion of the time. So I'm, again, I'm not very optimistic about... about the long-term future there. And now, if he's having, dude, people as soon as that fight fell out, a bunch of people mentioned I hadn't seen this stuff, but his weight cut was apparently very, very tough. I'm sure having to cut weight in Mexico City with an altitude of seven thousand some odd feet, like seventy-five, I think, right around there. Hugh Again, the elevation is ridiculous. And trying to deal with that I don't envy I don't envy too many people and cutting weight there must have been terrible but that is your job and that weight cut is only going to get worse for him your body's not done maturing in some respects physically until you're like halfway through your 20s you don't keep growing the same way that you know you do when you're a teenager but you there's a lot that goes into again how your body continues to develop so trying to uh, cutting weight like that when you're still growing oh man yeah like, i feel for the guy i really do that's got to be terrible but uh, i don't know just uh, i mean i'm not i'm gonna sit here and say like nothing of value is lost with that fight falling out we got a decent overall night of fights um, not exceptional, but pretty good. Pretty good. And again, that one fell out, so again, I went 10-2. and two. The only ones I got wrong were the main and co-main. And, I'm not really mad at myself for getting those wrong. Main event wound up being weird in a way I should have, I should have mentioned it was possible. should have mentioned that was possible. Um co-main um, I don't know what to say but I'll talk about that one in particular when I get to it but um, yeah just straight up got that one wrong got everything else right so yeah ten and two because with the one fight that fell out twelve fights um, yeah I'll take that I'll take that and be happy and Again, I'm not breaking my own pat myself on the back here. I'm gonna have bad cards. Uh, like there's gonna be some of these times when I just I don't do well. So I'm enjoying my enjoying where I am at the moment because year to date that put me at 51, 21, 51 and twenty one with two no contests. So I'm I'm good. Um I'm okay with that like <laughs> I, I said my big goal is to be better than a coin flip and we'll see if I can hold on to that um, it's a little bit easier when it comes to how I do it like I've seen other things like you know pick on make sure you have an underdog pick, pick some props and that would throw a lot of things out of whack for me I have no doubt my st- my statistical results would be much much worse under those circumstances but I'm doing it the way I'm doing it so maybe next year Maybe next year we'll consider that, but for the moment, uh, happy to be on. Happy to be doing well. Happy to be doing well in this uh, in this endeavor. All right. So enough about me. On to the fights. Main event. Flyweights. This was supposed to be Brandon Moreno and Amir Albazi. originally. Now this was not a late notice fill-in for Rival. This has been on the poster. I guess it's been announced for a little bit, but the original. Uh, again, the original matchup here was Albazi and Moreno. Um, so Which might have might have wound up being a bullet dodged by Moreno. I would have picked him to beat Amir Albazi, but man did he not look good. So sorry. The actual result, Brandon Royval defeats Brandon Moreno, excuse me. Split decision. Two forty-eight, forty-sevens for Royval, and a forty-nine, forty-six for Moreno. That's a little bit generous, but at the end of the day, with this fight, three to two either way is fine. It's one of those. It's one of those fights. Um, the first two rounds I thought were very close, and most people I think had it going. Had it. Um, 2-2 two, two going into the fifth I didn't I actually had it 3-1 Royval going into the fifth I gave Moreno the fifth um. but so he, again I still scored it for Royval. I'm not going to go back and like rewatch the fight in great detail to dissect my card but a lot of people were 2-2 two, two going into the fifth and then Moreno tried to ice the round, but it's not like Royville actually got a whole lot off. So, I, I do my hunch is if you had it 2-2 going into the fifth, you maybe should give that last one to Moreno, but I don't know. Not a hill I'm dying on. Uh, I, I, I will almost never die on a hill defending my scorecards when I'm doing that live. So, um, But I should have mentioned that this could have gotten weird because for a couple of reasons. I talked last week in the preview about the wars that Moreno has been in. Dude, that man fought Davis and Figueredo four times. And then he had and that blood and guts total war with Pantoja. And had a couple of other just... Even before he became champion, like, he just had some of these fights, man. Like I apologize if I'm recapping too much from last week, but... Um, yeah, I, I was one of the ones pre, so his first UFC run doesn't go great. Uh, wins three, loses two and gets cut. Then wins a fight outside the UFC, comes back, fights to a draw with Askar Askarov. His juicier Formiga fighting and not a blood and guts all time war, but that was a tough fight. Then, again, he gets into that series with Figueroa, has a fight with Kaikar de France in the middle of that, which was not easy. Then, friggin' fight of the year last year with Pantoja. That bill comes due, man. I don't think he's washed up. I really don't. So please don't misunderstand me. But, that's just a lot. That's just a lot to try and overcome from, overcome physically, and psychologically too. Like you in some of those wars, man, it, it messes with how you fight. He was not fighting like he normally does here. He was doing a lot of circling, a lot of not engaging. And the weird thing about this is, again, I probably should have said, like this might hap- this might have been on the table, because Moreno has had some of these performances that. Even that win against Kai Kara-France, he gave up. I think the first two rounds, or it was one apiece going into the third. Like he's had these weird. Oh, um, yeah, that the time he lost to Davis and Figueredo. Um, So this was their third fight technically. Uh, that was just a weird performance from him. Just very weird. Uh, it's he, he's been prone to these on occasion. I forget where he fights out of now. Um, Do we have that? He's at Fortis MMA right now, so he's at a good he's at a good place. But I think there's still a little bit of learning going on between him and that coaching team, because prior to that he'd been at um, he'd been at Glory MMA and Fitness, which is James Krause's. School until Krauss got run out of the sport for gambling nonsense. I shouldn't say nonsense, like the serious legal consequences there, but for gambling related issues. Um and he's Kraus had a good read on him, I think. Like they had a they had a good thing going there, trainer and fighter wise, and I don't think he's found that same rhythm yet with his new team. Just an observation. Um, I'm, I am I scored this for Roival, he moved well, he had a lot of volume going, not a lot of it landed clean, but he just kept busy, and it ultimately kind of just again outpointed and, and undid Moreno. Moreno tried to wrestle him a little bit, but Roival was well prepared to deal with somebody on his back, that's where Pantoja had a good amount of success against him like getting him down and getting on his back or getting the rear waist lock, right? That gave him fits. He's definitely... He was definitely prepared for that same strategy here. Um, So good win for Royval. Tough loss for Moreno, man. Uh, He can still, like, get things back on track. But... Uh, he's just this was a tough loss. This was a real tough loss now, this part of the saving grace here is it's against another guy who just fought for the belt, another very, very top ranked flyweight. Had he performed like this against Amir albazi, i again, I'm running this in my head, but I would have liked Albazi's chances there. I would not have liked them, again, like, ideal version of Moreno against ideal version of Albazi. I think that's Moreno, but this version of Moreno, mm, I think Albazi would have had a much better chance than a lot of us would have anticipated. Just put it like that. But losing to another top contender like this, it's still salvageable. After the fight, Roivald said he wants a rematch with Pantoja. Pantoja was in the crowd. Um, oh that crowd did not like him which is fine like you're not obliged to like anybody as a crowd but uh, somebody tweeted I forget who I put it it's on my Twitter feed but they showed Pantoja there and it's like this dude is 5-0 and against the main event because <laughs> he's beaten Moreno three times he beat him on uh, the season of tough he beat him in the UFC and then he beat him for the title and he's beaten Royval twice too. <laughs> oh man, just and, and especially to do like in Mexico City where this is the guy who took away the title from a, a you know Brandon Moreno it was a decent bit decently big deal in Mexico. Um, yeah, he got booed, which is fine. Like he he rolled with it. Um, I don't know if we'll get a, a, a rematch between those two. I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm saying I don't know. Flyweight's kind of weird at the moment. Because, um, again, this was supposed to be Albazi, who was ranked number two. You've still got Kai Kara France floating out there. you got Matthews Nicolau, Manel Kopp. I think Alex Perez is a fight coming up. There's a fair amount of like um, hype around Mohamed Mikhayev, but that guy's got a lot of issues to work out. Uh, but depending on how serious the neck injury is to al they might just go al and Pantoja instead of doing another rematch. I don't know that they will. I'm just saying they could if they don't want another rematch right away. So um, worth worth paying attention to there. Uh, yeah, again, that was it. Um, good fight, not great, but pretty good. Uh, co-main event: Brian Ortega defeats Yair Rodriguez with an arm triangle, uh, 58 seconds into the third round. What a wild, what a wild fight this was. Um, this wasn't your fight of the night. It could have been. It wasn't, but I wouldn't have objected to it. Um, so first round, Yair Rodriguez comes out. He's looking pretty good. He's throwing pretty good kicks, like he normally does. He hurts Ortega with some punches. Um, gets on top, tries to pound him out. Gets tied up, can't finish it. But is still in control for the majority of that round, until the very until like the last little bit of it. Uh, they tie up and Ortega gets a takedown he sweeps from bottom. I can't remember which one. Forgive me. But he ends the round in full mount. Which was a, turned out to be a sign of things to come. Now, I saw a lot of people go 10-8 for Rodriguez in that first round. You could, and I'm not complaining. I didn't. Now, I didn't because of the way the round ended for Ortega. Full mount is a dominant enough position that if you obtain it and you control it and you do a little bit of something with it and he did not again it was near the end of the round so it wasn't you know utterly game-changing but it was enough for me to go from a 10-8 to a 10-9 your mileage will vary on that anyone who did go 10-8 i don't disagree second round ortega again he's got he's been battered his nose is all bloody and he just guts through it comes out for the second round pushes into Yayer's face gets inside kicking range pretty quickly forces him to box and Rodriguez is he's got decent power in his hands but his technical his technique in with his hands and especially in closer like boxing or pocket range it ain't great he leans a lot you can lean at kicking distance you can't lean in the pocket I shouldn't say can't it's really inadvisable for a lot of reasons. There are people who can make it work. To the best of my knowledge, Yair Rodriguez is not one of them. He um, Ortega throws him off his rhythm, gets in his face, pressures him, and Yair seems to struggle with this a little bit, historically. Gets a clinch, gets a takedown. Takedowns have not been a, an Ortega strong suit historically. Seems like he's been working on that. He gets a takedown. Spends, the, spends like three minutes, three and a half minutes, some almost four, in Yair's guard. He passes it on occasion, but most of it is like guard or half guard. He's just stacking him against the fence, smothering him, landing punches, landing elbows, doing enough to keep the ref out of it. And Yair doesn't do a whole lot uh, until the round ends. In fact, one of the judges, the idiot Mike Bell, who gave um, a 10-8 to Alexa Grosso in the fifth round of the second fight with Shevchenko? Stupidly and just screwed everything up. Which I, by which I just mean, like that's the most that's the most indefensible round scorecard I've seen in a long time. He went 10-8 round one for Yair and 10-8 round two for Ortega. And at least that's consistent. I'll, I'll throw it. I'll phrase it like that. At least that's consistent. Then, third round, more of the same. Ortega comes out, pushes forward, he's jabbing, gets towards the fence, takedown into full mount. Very quick. He oh, he set this arm triangle up so beautifully. So he starts going for it, but instead of just like overly relying on sort of the traditional jiu-jitsu um, way that you do that, which works, I'm not knocking that, I'm saying... He started adding some elbows in because he found places where, like, okay, I'm still going for it. I still have the arm isolated. I'm still in good position for this. Let me drop an elbow. Let me hand fight and drop an elbow. And this time when I drop the elbow, I'm going to land my arm in position to finish the choke. So kind of lands an elbow, gets around, gets the arm triangle position. Yair, I've said this before about Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega has a gift for going from the start of a choke to the finish of a choke faster than almost anyone in MMA. Normally, if you're doing the arm triangle, oh, you've got, you've got, you know, one arm around here, your head's on the mat, you're kind of under my armpit. Okay, I've got to deal with this. Here's a few different ways I can do that. And then while you're trying to invent, you're trying to scoot your arm a little bit deeper around the back of my head, you're trying to leverage the arm up. I've got stuff I can do. And Brian Ortega just goes from the start to the finish so fast that ninety percent of your normal defensive sequences don't work. And that is, again, it's a remarkable gift that he has because Yair, oh, I'm kind of in trouble. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll onto my side, and this alleviates most of the generally will alleviate the pressure from the arm triangle. It kind of gives up the back, which is why you don't want to do it, but better to have your back taken than to straight up be choked out, right? And I can, you know, the other thing you he was doing was, you take the arm that's in peril, and you reach down, and you bring, like, one leg up, and then you grab both your hands together behind the back of your knee, and then what you do is you kind of, like, press down with your leg. So you're using the legs, the using your leg muscles to help lever down your arm and keep your shoulder away from your neck. It's one of those, like, it's not straight-up, last-ditch attempt to get out of a choke. It's further down the hierarchy. And again, you're like, okay, we'll address the position, we'll try to fight, hand fight... Here's a few gimmicky things with biomechanics that we can do. And then it's there's actually like another phase below that that is just like raw athleticism or uh, cheating. Sometimes to be quite candid. But using element... The other reason you do that when you grab the leg, it's not just to keep your shoulder away from your neck, which though it helps. You can use the leverage you, you can generate there to get some momentum going and try to force a scramble. So there's still a few other things going on there but Ortega didn't try to finish the traditional because normally when you do an arm triangle you have a palm to palm grip usually this is not guaranteed there's other ways you can do it but that's usually what you do when someone rolls to their hip again they're kind of giving up the back and most of the time they're hoping that's what you take instead We're starting to see, and you've seen this in um, Nogi grappling in particular, it started to rise in prominence. A few MMA guys have figured this out too. Instead of just abandoning a near finish to get the back, which you might have to do anyway depending on some other nuances, they'll just keep the arm that's around, they'll keep the, the catch around the neck and keep the choke, but instead of palm to palm, they'll do a bicep grip. You know, or a figure four, like you do when you finish a rear naked choke. And that lets them get the other hand in play to help kind of lever things down. And then you can just lean, because they're on their hip now, you can lean your whole body weight on top of this. And it's much, much worse. <laughs> um, it's harder to finish because you have to do it quickly. The other The other guy has to not know that you're trying for that but again you're starting to see it rise in prominence a little bit and ortega just instantly oh you're giving me a little bit more space i'm not giving up on this it's very close to being done switch grip lean a little bit more and yeah you're asked to tap <laughs> um yeah heck of a per- heck of a performance from ortega man coming back after that first round um of all the flaws in Brian Ortega's game, and there are a few, that man has championship medal. He went four rounds with Max Holloway, getting the crap beat out of him, and his corner had to stop it. He went five rounds with Volkanovski, getting bombed on, and even nearly pulled off a hail mary finish in the fourth. Twice. <laughs> Speaking of like, if you're if you don't know what I mean by like how quick he goes from you know the start of a catch, like oh I've caught your neck. What am I gonna do? To oh crap you're being un- you're being choked. Look at how fast he grabs that guillotine on Volkanovsky when they fight. Um, look at how he does it against Cub Swanson. He actually adjusts in, in midair. He adjusts against Cub Swanson uh, that guillotine. Um, that's a skill. That is absolutely a skill to be able to do that, and not a lot of guys can do it. Most of the time, you have to do you have to start your attack and then you sequence you sequentially move forward. You move through the positions. It gets worse. It gets more dangerous. If if there's a wild skill discrepancy, you can accelerate through those. Like again, if I'm rolling with a black belt, they don't have to go. They don't have to worry about all the hand fighting, right? They don't have to worry about some of the positional stuff. Like okay, I've got to be careful not to. I'm going to go for this guillotine. Got to make sure my hands are together. Got to make sure I'm, you know, I've hand fought. Got to make sure that when I when I look to sync it up, I don't get my guard pass. Like stuff, right? Brian Ortega is so good at catching those chokes that guys who are very, 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 very good grapplers are suddenly at Code Red trying to get out of them. And if you can bring that to bear consistently that is a heck of a skill i mean one of the big there's a couple of knock a couple of things i want to mention here about ortega i don't know that he'll get the next title shot off of this he might um we still got to wait and see what happens with max and justin gagey we got to know what Ilya Taporia's return timeline is i mean he got out of that fight with volkanovsky relatively unscathed but there's there's still some moving pieces He made a pretty good case for himself in a lot of respects. I'll just say that for Ortega. Um, But on the kind of the downside, his offense is, his striking offense is mostly punches. Not the end of the world. But he also is a headhunter. He doesn't work the body a whole lot. He doesn't kick a whole lot. He does a lot of, again, boxing or boxing-adjacent punching, and he goes to the head. That is... That's a problem. If you're that predictable, it's a problem. The other issue he's dealt with, it looks like he might be trying to address it, but it's still... Yair Rodriguez does not have the stoutest takedown defense in the world. Okay, Max Holloway out-wrestled him. I'm not here to knock Max. I love Max. Max is not known for his wrestling acumen. but this has been a problem for him dating back to his first loss in the ufc when frankie edgar kind of just that's one of the last like great frankie edgar performances i can't say it's the last but it's one of them when you had a young up-and-coming guy in rodriguez who's dynamic and powerful and frankie just like okay i'm gonna keep moving you keep uh, you're gonna land some kicks and then i'm gonna time one of your kicks i'm gonna knee tap you I'm going to get on top. I'm going to stuff your head into the fa- into the cage so you can't play a high guard like you normally try to do. And I'm just going to punch and elbow you in the face until we're done. And that's exactly what he did. So Rodriguez's takedown defense might still be an issue, but Ortega's offensive takedowns have been almost non-existent. Um, so him getting a few here, they came from the clinch, which is fine. That's a good skill set, but... It's also not the same as having to close distance looking for a takedown. So, it, it, but if Ortega is working on that, if he can start again, finding a consistent way to bring his jiu-jitsu threat to bear, he's he's a scary guy. He's definitely a scary guy. So, good win for him. Um, really tough loss for Yair. Had Yair won, I think they would have done him and Ilya Toporia. Um, he, there's some heat between Taporia and Rodriguez. Those two don't like each other and they're not shy about saying it. So had Rodriguez won here, I think they would have, I think that he would have got a title shot off of it. Ortega muddies the water a little bit. You've got, I mean, look, you've got Volkanovski saying he wants an immediate rematch. I don't want that for him. Um, but he's saying he wants it. You've got Max saying he wants a shot. He potentially wants a shot. He's got to deal with... Dude, he and Justin Gaethje are going to take... They're going to drastically alter each other's quality of life. This is what they're going to do to each other. So we don't know how that's going to go. Um, Max might not be the same guy on the other side of that. I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm saying... Justin Gaethje has ruined fighters before, and I don't want him to ruin Max because I love Max, dude. So, I talked about this with um, Pat the other day. It's entirely possible that Justin Gaethje winds up being responsible for ruining both Tony Ferguson and Max Holloway, and he's never booed for it, which is it's wild, like. If you took someone like, no, this guy ended the run of Tony Ferguson and substantively changed him and his ability to fight forever, which he did, you'd think, man, what a jerk. Like, there'd be some enmity there. There isn't for Gagey because he's just in Gagey. He does it to Max, too. Like, I mean, he's knocked out Dustin Poirier. might have substantively altered him. It's not that Poirier's not Poirier hadn't been stopped with strikes for a while before that. Uh, before that head kick, he, he might have done that to Dustin. I, I, that's it's way too early to say one way or the other whether or not he did. We know he did with Tony. He might with Max, and he's he's still going to be loved and lauded because he's just engaging. I mean, he's going to be loved because was it Matt Brown I heard say this? That Justin Gaethje has sacrificed so much of the quality of his life down the line for MMA. You can't boo that man. (laughs) And I, I think we all know that. Even if we can't always verbalize it, I think we know it. So, and you've got that out there. With Max, that's possible. And, oh, who's the other guy? You've got Movsar Evloyev, who's still coming up. Um, Arnold Allen's been looking to make some waves still. Evloyev's kind of the one who needs another fight. I don't know if that means he's going to fight Yair Rodriguez, or if they. He, he's got to be in place somewhere in this discussion. But I think for all. Of the relevant parties, again, we're talking Volkanovski, Holloway, Ortega. Evloyev factors into their lives somehow. I don't know if he factors into the title. Again, injury, timing, all these things matter a great deal for how this will shake out. Who knows? But Ortega needed a win here. um, And he got one, so, again, hats off to him. Real tough loss for Rodriguez. um, Just... I think he would have got a title shot, and that has been derailed entirely. Uh, moving on to your fight of the night, Daniel Zellhuber defeats Francisco Prado via unanimous decision, 229-28 to 30-27. First round was close enough you could give it to Prado, but this was a lot of Prado trying to deal with a guy who's freaking like an octopus. Zellhuber is huge for lightweight. <laughs> Uh, and I don't just mean like height wise. I mean, that man is all arms and legs. And just, he, Prado never really consistently dealt with it. So Huber just, after the first round, when it was like, okay, he's not going to slow down, let's stay technical, just kicked him at range, jabbed him, good combinations at the right moments, and just outpointed him, outclassed him in a lot of ways. Uh, good win for Huber. Really good win. Hmm. Um, again this was your fight of the night I don't hate it I would have given it to Ortega and Rodriguez but that's just me uh, So pretty good win for Zell Huber um, tough loss for Prado his right eye was busted up um, he had one cut like on the eyebrow one on the eyelid I mean I cut under the other eye it was more by the cheekbone but I mean his corner telling him between rounds two and three when his eyes all messed up like you okay you don't need eyes to fight I mean, you kind of do. I mean, Michael Biz being chimed in on Twitter going, yeah, no, the coach is right. I mean, ha-ha. But you kind (laughs) of do. Appreciate the sentiment, but you really should save your fighter. He took five minutes of abuse that he didn't need. Uh, At strawweight, Yasmin Haurugi defeated Sam Hughes. The unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Um... Haragi was trying to bounce back from that really big upset loss to Denise Gomes. She got a favorable matchup in a showcase performance to rebound, and that's what she did. Nothing spectacular. At lightweight Manuel Torres defeated Chris Duncan via rear naked choke. Won, um yeah, 146 of the first. These two came out and got after it. Um, both guys got hurt and rocked a little bit. Torres gets a takedown. Duncan stands. Torres on his back now as they stand. Hits a really nice throw. Um, it's It wasn't a top wrist lock, but because he had one arm kind of around the neck, which is what kind of what led into the choke being such a... happening so suddenly after the takedown. And he had the arm kind of wrapped up as well because he was hand fighting with... like. Duncan's right arm was hand fighting with Torres's right hand, so and that got brought up. The left arm of Torres is around the neck, basically, and he takes him down again. Reminded me of a catch wrestling top wrist lock. Um, it wasn't exactly in a bit more, a bit too much head in play, but reminded me of that. And then gets that immediately onto the back, has the arm already around the neck, and chokes him out. Um, solid. On um, the prelims, Hani Barcelos defeated Christian Quinonez via rear naked choke. 204, the third. Um, I think he had this one apiece going into the third. Barcelos injured his shoulder, I want to say first round. Um, nearly got a guillotine choke in the third. Use that, get a snap down. Uh, got the back, got the choke. 36 years old, Harney Barcelos getting it done at Bantamite. That man has an uphill climb, but I'm happy for him. Um, At flyweight, um, Jesus Aguilar defeated Mateus Mendonce via split decision. Um, 29-28, again, uh, one for Aguilar, two for Mendonce. Could have scored this either way. Um, Not mad that Aguilar won it. I think I scored it for him, but um, you could have, again, 29-28 either way is perfectly fine. At a catchweight fight, because these two guys just sucked at weight cutting, so, if you'll recall, Daniel Lacerda and Edgar Chayrez had a no contest a little bit ago that resulted from a premature stoppage. Chayrez had kind of a, kind of a standing seated arm triangle, um, was working that, and Lacerda looked like he went limp. He did not. He was not unconscious. But one of his arms, and when you could see it from the referee's vantage point, and we had some, like, camera angles that did eventually, because initially everyone was pissed. Then we got some of these other camera angles where Lacerda had one hand—I think it was his right hand; his left hand was trapped. He had it kind of up and like on the hip of Shirez, kind of showing like, "Hey, I'm kind of showing to the ref hey 'Hey, I'm still here.' Two, like, okay, push your hips away, try not to let that get too close." And it dropped like it was limp. Now given what happened immediately afterwards, we know Lacerda was just, all right, fine, I'm going to relax for a second or two here. But it was an understandable call by the ref. So no contest. They rebooked the fight, and then Lacerda has trouble making weight. So that got postponed. They rebooked it here, and suddenly neither guy makes weight. (laughs) Um, Lacerda weighed 127. So at least an attempt was made. Chárez weighed 131. Like, you're basically at the... You're darn near a bantamweight at the bantamweight limit at that point. Like, did you even try, my man? Um, Chárez wins via triangle choke, 217 of the first. Lacerda's like 0-5 with a no contest in the UFC. I don't know why he's here. Lightweight. um, Ferris Ziom defeated Claudio Pourez via split decision. A 30-27 for Zayam, and then 29-28s either way. Um, I appreciate what Puelles is trying to do with his game, but you can't be like a leglock one-trick pony anymore. I mean, even guys who are exceptional at it, like Ryan Hall, um, have known, have realized, like, I can't only have this. Um, not a great fight, but I agree that Ziam won, so. Uh, flyweight Ronaldo Rodriguez defeated Dennis Bondar via rear naked choke 459 of the second Bondar had a pretty good like three minutes he landed a couple of solid right hands right into hands double legs just seemed to fade a little bit the longer the fight went and then eventually Rodriguez uh, landed a few punches and got him down got the choke um, shame that Bondar's UFC run has gone the way it has he's at Pretty talented fighter, but he has not been able to put it together in the UFC. Uh, also, flyweight Felipe Dos Santos defeated Victor Altamirano via a split decision. There was a 30 27 for Altamirano and then two 29 28 for Dos Santos. I scored this for Altamirano, just to be straight up. Um, I think I, I gave him all three rounds, but I acknowledge that two of them were close. A lot of takedowns and some pretty decent control from Altamirano. Here's my thing about this: like, you do need. Like, I don't think Dos Santos had at any point consistently done enough to negate all of the work that Altamirano put in. Um, there were a few points when he landed some pretty good punches, but it's not like he wasn't getting hit out there. Also, I'm not. I'm not been out of shape about 29-28 either way. Um, this is one of those where my prediction was right, but I don't feel great about it because I, I thought I'll tomorrow on one, but eh. I'm kicking everything off. Uh, Mohamed Naimov defeated Eric Silva at 44 seconds of the first round via leg injury. So Naimov comes out, throws a wheel kick, Silva blocks it, but in the process of like blocking, because he he didn't absorb too much of it, but He was moving a little bit, and his left leg, he stepped back kind of into the gap between the octagon floor and the fence. There was a little bit of a gap there. His heel went in that, and something in his knee popped. He immediately kind of sat down, his leg was straight, he fought up and tried to keep going, but he gets um, inside tripped very quickly out of a clinch by Naimov, and the ref, he must have said something to the ref, because immediately, like, after the takedown, the ref is in there going, okay, no, 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 we're done. There wasn't even a lot of ground and pound from Naimov. Um, apparently, they were talking about a potentially torn uh, MCL, which sucks. Um, kind of a non-fight in that respect. But I, I picked Naimov, and he was one. He was one of the heavier favorites on the whole card. So um, hopefully Silva can recover. And a guy in Naimov who is. Dude, he beat Nathaniel Wood his last time out, and you got him curtain-jerking a fight night? Like, Let's, <laughs> let's get that guy a bigger name, and let's get him in a, on a main card at least, please. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me. So that was it. Um, that was your card. Uh, your bonuses, I mentioned already, Fight of the Night went to Zell Huber versus Prado. Fair enough. Performances went to Brian Ortega and Manuel Torres. No issues there. Um, the only other one in contention for me would have been Barcelos. Um, much as I liked what Rodriguez did, not quite the same level. And Shida's and Lacerda both being fat means no bonuses for you. Um, but I can totally see going uh, Torres instead of uh, Barcelos there. Um, last thing I want to note on this one. Um, good crowd, generally. But there was a fight. Like a full-on brawl in the crowd after the Torres fight. He tried to calm people down, but there's video out there of this. Like, just several guys fighting and no security to be seen. Whoever was in charge of that just decided to let the fight play out, um, which is terrible. I mean, Dana White, even after the fact, th- was asked about it. was like, yeah, security didn't do anything. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Dude, I'll give Dana my- I'm happy to tell Dana to agree with Dana when he's right. He's right here. Like that was ridiculous. You have security for a reason. It's if something starts, they break it up and don't let it escalate into a brawl. But I don't know. They didn't that time. Um, full report as always in the mmzona411mania.com, so give that a read if you're at all inclined. I appreciate it. All right, let's get set up here, shall we? Because next up, we have a card so bad. So very, very, very bad. We have UFC on ESPN Plus 50. Uh, excuse me, 90, 50. UFC on ESPN Plus 96. Um, I'm going to act as though the... I'm, I'll make a pick for the... Um, Tercios and... Uh, What's-his-face fight? Uh, Verosis. I'll m- I'll make a pick for it, but... I don't know where it's falling on the card. I'm going to assume Comain. I'm just going to assume Comain. So that's where we'll put it. Um, if the fight doesn't actually take place, whatever. I'm not going to hold that one way or another against my overall record. Um, Alright, so main event. <sighs> Go at heavyweight we're back in the apex because warehouse fights Oh uh, i i i appreciate the utility the apex serves i really do and i actually have come to appreciate quiet fights but the apex is kind of the worst of all worlds it is it is not enough of a crowd to generate an atmosphere, but there's too much of a crowd to generate the atmosphere of no atmosphere. Like go back and watch some of those um, the first like COVID shows the UFC did. And obviously the first one was to this day. One of the most profound experiences I've had watching a fight was watching Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje in no small part because there's no crowd. Because everything that happened carried such weight. I'm sure with a live crowd that would have been bonkers. Because it was a bonkers fight. But there's something, again, there's something powerful about the quiet in that fight. So I can appreciate that, but you have, you know, like 50 drunken hillbillies. I shouldn't say hillbillies. You've got like... I forget how many people they can fit in the apex they can fit a fair number they don't always sell all their exclusive tickets but it's enough to like not again it's too small to be a genuine crowd atmosphere but it's too big to appreciate the atmosphere of silence and quiet right worst of all possible worlds don't like it your main event is Jarzina Rosenstreich and Shamil Gaziev. Oh, boy, the prospect of five rounds of this is um, is not good. Not good. So Rosenstreich coming off of a loss to Jelton Almeida. He, this guy's been so up and down. Like he's got some pretty good wins. I mean, he was getting tuned up by Alistair Overeem before landing the Hail Mary in the end of the fifth and getting a fair stoppage. Then Francis Ngannou turns his lights out in 20 seconds. He beats old man Dos Santos. He does nothing for Cyril Gon. He gets beat up by Curtis Blades. He gets smoked by Alexander Volkov. He beats Chris Dawkins. and then Jalton Almeida kind of runs him over. So I don't know what's up with this guy. He's overall he's seven and five in the UFC. And then we have Shamil Gaziev, who is uh, the first Bahrainian fighter in the UFC. He is 12-0. He won his UFC debut uh, when he beat Martin Bidet. He looked pretty good in that. The problem that he might run into is his gas tank, because, boy, that guy throws nothing but heat. And if Rosenstreich can get out of the first, like, seven minutes, this is his fight to lose. <sighs> I just I don't know how much faith I have in Rosenstreich's chin at this point. A bigger cage would have favored Rosenstrike Being in the smaller one, I think definitely favors Gaziev. I'm pretty sure it's Gaziev. Um, I think my hunch at the moment is Gaziev, but that's mostly because Rosenstrike is just all over the place. So going with Gaziev, I just I have no I have no like faith in that. Yeah, it's these guys are like mid-ish level heavyweights, so I don't know. I just I don't know what to do there. Um. Okay, so I'm going to assume Comain goes to Tercios and Rosas, and my pick will stand from last week. I picked Rosas slightly. Hang on, am I gonna am I going to keep that? Cutting weight back to back like that and having to make it on the, again, on a short time frame. No, that, that actually is going to change. I, am I really going to pick Ricky Tercios? Guy's so weird. He's so inconsistent. I am. I am. Screw it. I'm going with Ricky Tercios. And... I would have been I'm gonna stand by the thing that, you know what? That that back to that second weight cut in a week is gonna be a problem if this fight happens. Um, and Tercios is just weird enough he might be able to avoid the rush early and then Rosas like has no gas tank, so The way that shook out, I am going to go with Tercios, but. Oh, I might feel very, very stupid. I. I, Okay, here's my caveat. I'm going to give myself a caveat here. If the fight is at Featherweight, I will pick Rosas. So, keep that, that. There's my caveat. Um, if they do it a bantamweight again, Tercios. If Rosas negotiates for a if if it's not bantamweight, I w- I'm going to lean towards Rosas. So I hate to do a double pick like that, but cuz it feels a little bit it feels a little bit like I'm hedging, but that that's going to be the only caveat I give myself there. So All right, um, next up, presumably next up, we're back in regular order now. Light heavyweights, God help us. Vitor Petrino and Tyson Pedro. I used to have some high hopes for Tyson Pedro. Then he started losing fights that he shouldn't have lost. Like, he should have beat Ovin St. Preux when they fought in 2018. He really should have. But made a couple of boneheaded decisions. Then he fought Old Man Shogun... And had him beat, but third round, um, kind of got sloppy and silly and Hua got him out of there. So Pedro, after that he took like four years off or three and a half. three and a third, something like that. Comes back, beats V in the way of a beats Harry Zucker, loses to Modestus Bukowskis then beats Anton to Anton Tercali. If he's able to, like, find consistent form, Pedro's actually pretty good for a light heavyweight. Um, Petrino, 10-0, and 0, had a decent UFC debut. He's 3-0, actually, in the UFC. What's he done? Turkali, Procnio, and Bukowskis, so the same kind of, like, bottom-tier light heavyweights. It's a pretty decent knockout of Bukowskis. uh the best version of tyson pedro i think wins this fight but picking the best version of tyson pedro to show up is i'm just not comfortable doing that so i'm not going to say he can't win but that man has not demonstrated the consistency necessary for me to feel confident picking him here so going with petrino Um, okay. Next up, flyweight. Alex Perez and Mohamed Makayev. I've been very, very critical of Makayev. Question is, can Perez be one of the guys to mess with that? Now, Perez has been out of action since July of 22 when he lost to Pantoja. Before that, he lost a title fight to Davis and Figueiredo. Perez is a pretty good fighter. The activity has been a serious issue for him. Um... Because uh, look, for a long time, his only loss in the UFC was to Joseph Benavidez. All right, that's a heck of a thing. And he stopped Jussier Formiga with leg kicks. That is not easy to do. He's very good. This is a pretty big step up for Mikhaev. Um Who I, dude, Tim Elliott was giving him problems. I mean, he won fair and square, but I'm not going to pretend that, you know, Elliott wasn't you know, causing problems for him. Dude, he had problems with Malcolm Gordon. He had problems with Jafel Filo. Like, Makaev's good, but there's a real lack of development in a certain handful of areas that just are limiting him. Um, the layoff is a problem for me for Perez, though. And I think, ultimately, that's why I'm going to lean towards Mikhaev. But, I... Like, plus... What are the odds on this, specifically? Um, Okay, if you can get... If you don't mind losing, I don't like giving betting advice, so I'm going to phrase this carefully. First of all, never gamble if you can't afford to lose. Plus 200 and change on Perez. Um... I think the fight is closer than that. If you're looking for value, I think that's where you might find it. I'm going with Makaev officially, but his limitations are going to rear their head, and Perez is the kind of fighter who absolutely could do that. Uh, Middleweights, we've got Eric Anders and Jamie Pickett. Anders, um, not had a good run late. Man, that loss... Julio Machida, which he should have. I thought he won. I scored that for him. That upended so many things for him. He rebounded okay, beating Tim Williams, but he might have had a big fight if he beaten Machida. And instead, he got a rebound and then he had to fight Thiago Santos, and that didn't go well. Um, then he lost a split decision to Elias Theodorou. Then he couldn't beat Khalil Roundtree. At the moment, that's a few years ago. So at the moment, he's 1-3 in, in his last four. Um, lost to Marc-Andre Berrio. And again, there's Jamie Pickett, who is on a four-fight losing streak. And in fact, his UFC record is 2-6. and six. Only wins over Lariano Stortopoli and Joseph Holmes. One has to imagine the loser here goes away. And does Eric Anders have enough left in the tank for this? You know, man, I, just, I can't pick Jamie Pickett. I I, I can't pick someone on a four-fight losing streak against someone who is uh, capable of winning at the UFC level. I just I can't do it going with Anders but that's a rough one bantamweights Umar Nurmagomedov will be fighting Bezkat um, Alamkhan I'm probably mispronouncing that gentleman's last name but where is he from Uh, Kazakhstan Uh, excuse me Bezkat Almakan. there we go sorry smaller font bigger font easier to read Um. I'm not trying to be dismissive here. I try very, very hard not to dismiss people when they can fight in the UFC and win. Or, or any fighter. But I need... I don't know that I'm picking anyone to beat Umar Nurmagomedov. And that includes the current like top three guys in that weight class. I would pick him... I think I'd pick him to beat Sean O'Malley. I'd probably pick him to beat... Marab's Mur- tough, but I might pick him to beat Marab, too. Like I think that man's going to be champion. So... And against a debutant... Look, Almakan is 17-1, and one, and I am... I am sure that... Put it this way. I am sure that man is going to have some success in the UFC. But when your debut is against... A guy who's sh- in the title discussion. Not not like next title challenger, but he's very close. I, I, again, man, I'm trying not to be insulting. That's just... I don't think there's anybody I pick to beat Umar Nurmagomedov at this point. So, pick an Umar. And best of luck to Almacon. And kicking off the main card, we have uh, Matt Schnell and Steve Ursegg. Um, Schnell lost to Matthews Nicolau last time out, beat Sumudarji before that, then lost to Brandon Royvall. Um Lost a decision to a, to an overrate Ogerio Bontarin, but Bontarin then failed a drug test, and then I think got cut. Ursegg, um, he's an Australian dude, right? Yeah, eleven and one, two and o in the UFC wins over David Dvorak and Alessandro Costa. I've been decently impressed with Urseg. Not hugely, I'm not out here saying next champion, but I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a pushover. I'm I like nothing against Schnell, who's a pretty good fighter and I is a definitely a live underdog here now that I've seen the odds. Schnell's a live dog, but Um I'm actually going with Urseg. I I think his upside is pretty good and I think Schnell's probably on the downhill side of his career Um, that is your main card on the prelims. We have lightweights. um Joel Alvarez and Ludovic Klein So Joel Alvarez our other Spaniard in the UFC at the moment Um his only losses in the UFC are to Demir Ismagulov and Armin Saryukian. I'm, I'm actually pretty high on Alvarez as a general rule um All of his wins are finishes. Wait, all of them in the UFC are, is he all finishes? My man is, my man is, uh, okay, he went the distance with this Magulov, but other than that, even his fights end in a finish. Um. (sighs) Okay, for win over Mark Jacquezi. Uh, Klein is another guy who's pretty good. Um, he's got a couple of tough losses in the UFC, but they were at featherweight. Since returning to lightweight, he's 3-0-1. Um, draw with Jai Herbert. Um, Herbert should have won that if he could have stopped kicking Klein in the groin. Um, this, this is an Alvarez pick. Again, I'm pretty high on his upside, and I Klein is no one to trifle with. But I'm fine picking Alvarez here to win. Um, I have odds on this one. No, no, there it is. Yeah, the odds are with Alvarez. Okay, close, but they're with Alvarez. Um, bantamweights aiming um Aiman Zahabi and Javed Basharat. Relatively safe pick for Dot here. Um, I think both of them are pretty good. Um, I think. Hang on, is Javid is Snow Leopard? Yeah, he had that no contest with Victor Henry after the groin kick. Um, that was unfortunate. Um, I think he. I. Is it Java that I think is better? I actually do think Java's a little bit better than Farid, um, but they're both very, very good. And I don't—I'm not trying to dismiss Amin Zahabi here. He's on a three-fight winning streak, two of those finishes, but Basharat's a guy who I think is going to be a legitimate player in the division, and. Zahabi is just not. Middleweights, uh, Christian Leroy Duncan and Claudio Hiberio. Quick look at this one. Um, Duncan's had a weird r- time in the UFC at the moment. Um, he's 9-1, and one, I think 2-1 and one in the UFC. Yeah. Um, had that weird fight where Dushko Todorovic blew his knee out. Then he lost Armin Petrosian. No real shame there. Petrosian's pretty good. Beat Dennis Tallulah, and it looked okay. Um, Hiberio, 11-4. and four. I think he's 1-2 in the UFC. Losses to Abdul-Vazak Al-Hassan. And, oh, man, Roman Kopilov. I remember that head kick he landed on him, man. Oof. Wait, did we lose Alvarez and Klein? Sorry, Tapology is listing um, Alvarez and Klein as having fallen off um okay they're usually much more up to date so my pick will stand if the fight fell off we'll just remove it that's not a problem um let's see here so as far as this fight goes uh, I'm okay picking Duncan um Hiberio has not been terribly impressive And then doo, 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 we have Abdul Karim Als, Al-Sawadi. Yes, Abdul Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi versus Loic Radzibov. I'm going to have to type out one of those names. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, so Al-Sawadi is... 15-3. and three. I believe this is his UFC debut. Yes, it is. He's coming off a contender series win. He's on a, what, five-fight overall winning streak? Um, Rodzibov is another Tajikistan fighter. 17-5-1. 1-1 and, one. Um, one and one in the UFC. Had a pretty decent win in his debut over Esteban Robovich. And then... Um, unfortunately for him, ran into Mateo Shrombeski, who is pretty darn good. Um, missed weight for that fight, too. I think I'm still going with Radzibov here. Uh, am I? Hang on. Al-Sawadi is a... Contender Series guy. Might be giving him a uh, might be giving him a winnable fight for his debut, right? They do that. Hmm. Nah, going with Rajabov. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Oh no! Forget to spell this guy's name because I'm not typing out a name with a hyphen in it. Z H A B O V. Okay. And we apparently have, um, we were supposed to have Vinicius Oliveira and I think somebody else. Uh, Yeah, sorry, we had, he was supposed to fight Giannis Gamori. And then, seems like Gamori pulled out. So... If the fight's going through, I think that's an Olivera pick. I'm getting conflicting notes here. Go to my tiebreaker for whether or not the fight's still on. Um Still kinda listed as being on. That is so weird. Wait, there's a fight listed here that's not listed over here. Messed to come together late, I guess. Dude, this card is so messed up. I mean that, man. This card is just messed up. <laughs> um, yeah, the UFC's listing. It's also listing another fight that I think has been canceled between Muhammad Yahya and Brandon Marat. Tell you what, for the sake of argument, I will pick these and we'll just see what happens. I'd rather pick them than not. So Olivera, let's just this one. Um, slightly over Gamori. I mean, he had an okay UFC fight because he fought on the French card, but eh. only Let me check that real fast. Um, he's twelve and two. No, he lost his UFC debut to William Gomez. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, that one. And then, between Yaya and Marat, um, Yaya is. I think he's the first UAE fighter. What do they call themselves Emiratis. Makes his way to the UFC anyway. Um, lost his UFC debut to Trevor Peak. Um, Marat. 8-2, losses. UFC debut to Terrence McKinney in very short order. Hard to pick a, hard to make a pick there. Um, if there aren't odds on that one, I'm going to assume it's really fallen through. For the sake of picking in case the fight is still happening. No, no, that one's not happening. The UFC's website's out of date. Okay, sorry. I, du- I double-checked that. Um, I'll let the Oliveira pick stand, even though I am I feel like that's fallen out, too, and just hasn't been updated. So that's it. That's the card as it currently stands. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 fights, and not even sure about Rosas and Tersios actually making it, um, actually being on the card, so... Could be in for a short night. Um, for those of you who care, this card does start earlier. I think the start time is... Um, the prelim started, I want to say, 1130. Main card starts at 4 Eastern. And... Yeah, the prelims are one eastern, and that's 11 my time. That'll be fun. Um, and that might even be subject to change given how many fights have fallen out, so who knows. This it'll be early. I'll have the whole Saturday evening to do something more interesting or to watch better fights. Either way, I'll be covering it in the MMA Zone of 11mania.com per usual, so stop by, say hello. I always appreciate it. And, yeah, that's that's what we got there. So, not a great card on paper. can only tell you the truth, right? That's what I do here. Okay, let's talk for a minute about the PFL versus Bellator card, shall we? So, this took place Saturday. They were in Riyadh for some reason. And I'm not going to call this a disaster. I think that would be too much of a stretch. Let me start with all the things that went wrong, shall we? Um, Production issues. There were audio issues. Um, The commentary team choice was... I I, I just don't like Jail Sonnen's commentary. I'm sorry. Um so that was kind of a net negative for me at least big john mccarthy wasn't on the actual call who was pretty darn bad at that job but um there were lighting issues oh it, the show didn't look good it just didn't look good on camera i'm i'm sure there are people there who tried very very hard and no one sets out to make something that looks bad the lighting was terrible there were color issues. The the cage itself was badly lit. Like it was just it was not a good-looking event. Um the crowd. Oy. That crowd could not have been less interested in what was going on. Just could not care less. Uh I don't understand. I said this before, like the only potential reason after PFL acquired Bellator, the only reason to not merge your rosters would be to try and sell, like, again, TV broadcasting rights and ad space for two different events. If Bellator already had broadcast deals in place that you were absorbing, fine, maybe you had to keep them separate. If that's not the case, you know, please don't. This is stupid. I listened to Luke Thomas talk about this a little bit, and he's echoing sentiments I've heard elsewhere, and I'm going to add my own voice to this because I think it's true. PFL and Bellator don't actually have a fan base. There was a period of time when Bellator, I think, did. Not the biggest one in the world, but they did have a fan base. That's been gone for a while. Whatever, to whatever extent Bellator has people tune in, they tune in um, when there's not a UFC card. And this is, this is the, the inevitable downside of dominant monopolistic uh, market forces. This card that the UFC put on, uh, that the UFC is putting on, is worse than this Bellator PFL card. It just is. More people are going to watch this stupid UFC warehouse fights featuring a bunch of people most of you've never heard of or care about, and a bunch of fights that are not going to be very good than they did. They do anything that Bellator does did or anything that the PFL does, even when they put on good fights. They have no market power. They have no fan base. They have no identity. They have nothing. And that is that is the big hurdle. And look, man, overcoming the UFC's monopolistic position is going to be incredibly difficult. And they make weird decisions like not merging their rosters to create a genuinely decent roster. Or they just make decisions that make it harder. You've already got a borderline impossible task. And now you're making it worse with avoidable mistakes. Just, oh, and I want them to succeed. Be very clear about this. It's better for fighters, it's better for fans if there's a robust marketplace of top tier promotions the only person the only group that is hurt by a competitive marketplace is the ufc the fighters benefit the fans benefit now the ufc won't tell you that because the ufc doesn't want to give up their monopoly or monopsony or whatever it is but they they don't want to give it up because of course they don't they worked hard for that whether or not they obtained illegally, well, there's a lawsuit going on about that right now, so we'll just let the courts decide. Um, oh, by the by, a few people deciding to testify on behalf of the UFC in that lawsuit, like Michael Chandler and Donald Cerrone coming out to, guys, you could have opted out of that lawsuit, you didn't. I mean, Donald Cerrone going on, publicly saying something everyone and their dog knew. That him fighting Conor McGregor didn't actually get him a bump in pay. If the lawyers for the plaintiffs in that case are any good, they're going to eviscerate Chandler and Cerrone. And I forget the other guy that was going to step up. Uh, for, but these are fighters who are going to sit, go under oath and testify that the UFC is not mistreating them if you're a good lawyer on cross-examination, you can poke a million holes in that, and if you're lucky, make them realize the make them feel the cognitive dissonance of what they're doing. So. Ugh. But as for the card itself, so as for the fights themselves, um a few things worth noting here. So Henan Fajeda defeating Ryan Bader at twenty-one seconds into the first round. You put Ryan Bader in the cage against someone who is bigger than him, hits really hard. Uh, That never works out for him. That has never historically worked out for Ryan Bader, ever. It didn't work out for him here. This was like the only time a PFL guy beat a Bellator guy, by the way. Um, Then we had middleweights. Probably the best fight on the card. Johnny Ablin and Nipa and I fought to a split decision. Eblin's wrestling is really good, and that is a man built for five-round fights. But he's there's a lack of development of some of his other skills that is becoming a bit worrying. Um, at a catchweight fight, because there was a last-minute kind of replacement here, we got poor Ray Cooper the third man. Jason Jackson just beat the crap out of him before the stoppage in the second round. Jason Jackson's a pretty darn good fighter. Another heavyweight fight, Vadim Nemkov defeated Bruno Capeloza via arm triangle, 213 of the second. Vadim Nemkov might be the best light heavyweight in the world. Um, I I absolutely mean that. Uh, And he's moonlighting at heavyweight a little bit now, and turns out he's pretty good there too. Mostly because heavyweight sucks. Um, Yoel Romero beat Tiago Santos for unanimous decision, which is worth watching just for the weirdness of Yoel Romero and Tiago Santos being across the cage from each other. Um, AJ McKee absolutely ran over Clay Collard, got him with a triangle armbar variation in the fir- a minute and 10 seconds of the first round. Collard was just not, not ready for AJ McKee. Which ought to tell you something, Like Clay Collard's been very successful in the PFL and he got bulldozed um on the prelims aaron pico got a decent win he finally seems like he's kind of figured himself out so good for him um clarissa shields would have missed weight but negotiated with her opponent to instead of fighting at 155 fight at 165 then she almost gets her arm torn off in the first round, and ultimately wins out a split decision. And then afterwards says, "I want to fight Cyborg. Please stop wasting everyone's time." Cyborg would do bad things to Clarissa Shields in MMA at this point. I think that's the only thing. I think that's the only stuff worth talking about there. Oh, another promotional production fumble, by the way. So you had John Jones in the. He was there in attendance. You had Francis and Ganu in attendance, and you didn't. Like, there was a brief interaction between them, like not face to face, but you know, John saying he wants to fight Francis, and Francis saying you're effing fat. Okay, some people were amused by that. I wasn't. Um, the big thing there was they announced that apparently they, they announced winner of Fajera and Bader will then fight Francis and Ganu at some point. Fejero wins in 21 seconds. But Francis Ngannou was already out the door. Like, was not sticking around to do promotional material. Wasn't going to let him do a face-off. Just noped out of there. That man is never fighting in the PFL. I don't care if Anthony Joshua knocks him cold in 30 seconds. Francis Ngannou is never fighting in the PFL. Okay, maybe if he gets knocked out cold in 30 seconds and, and the avenues for boxing are just gone for a little bit. But absent catastrophe against AJ, I don't think we ever see him glove up and fight in, in the smart cage. So, there's that. Yeah, I uh, I would like PFL to succeed. They're just making it hard, and the UFC's market stranglehold makes it even harder. So, I don't know. All right. Um, I think that's all. No, nope, sorry, that's that's all the fights. So, um, let's move on very briefly to uh, some news. I don't have a lot here. Um, let's start with this one because this was um, so Ilya Taportia, new featherweight champion for the UFC. Uh, today, earlier today, was there for the honorary like the honorary kickoff role for the Real Madrid game. Guys, if you live in the United States and you don't understand the significance of that, I'm going to try and put it in perspective for you. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the most popular sporting organization, not sport, sporting organization in the entire world is? And if you picked up on the clues that I may have, like the context clues here, the answer is Real Madrid. That soccer club is the most popular sporting organization in the world two of like this is another thing that maybe doesn't track for a lot of people the most followed on instagram the most followed um american footballer is i think odell beckham jr and he's got i don't know like 10 11 million something like that might be so the sergio ramos who was expressing support for Toporio before his title win, and I don't know that they're close or anything, but they're aware of each other. That dude has like 60 million Instagram followers. You understand that? The most popular sporting organization in the world just gave a platform to a UFC champion. If the UFC does not... I'm not... Let me be clear about what I'm about to say. The UFC's first event in Spain does not need to feature Taporia's first title defense. If, you, if they want to check the infrastructure and whatnot, fine. Do a fight night, have Taporia in the crowd, whatever. But if Ilya Taporia's first title... Def, if his first title defense is not in Spain, you are fumbling big time. That man is a megastar over there. So, if you want to do... Again, if you do a small one first, fine. But Ilya Taportia's first fight with that belt on the line should be there. It absolutely should. Um, That guy is about to blow up for them. And bless him for it. I think that's have my only bit of news. Um, again, it's kind of been slow. So let me check Twitter, see what's up. If there's nothing new, we'll do plugs and get out of here. Nothing new, so plugs. Uh, all right, last week, myself and Mark Rilich got together and reviewed Madam Webb. It sucked. Um, the review didn't suck. Listen to the review. We have fun. The movie, terrible. Just not even fun terrible. Just bad. Um, This week, myself, Mark Radulich, and Alexis Haina will be getting together Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we will be doing our buffet look at Best Picture Contenders. So everything that's nominated, we'll talk a little bit about some of them we've previously reviewed. So some of these discussions will be a little bit faster than others, but there we are. Um, Yeah uh that's all i've got let's see i don't think mlw has anything new they did something last week so i reviewed that but i think we're off this week um wwe just had their elimination chamber event so friday i'll be covering wwe smackdown per usual as they continue heading towards wrestlemania so fun will be had allegedly and the terrible ufc event on saturday so that's all fun isn't it? Isn't it just fun, everybody? Yay, fun. Ugh, long month. January and February, man. This year, they've just taken forever. I don't know. Maybe you feel differently, but personally, just have never... They're just dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. Um, all right. I think that's it for me. So next week, We'll be back here to review UFC on ESPN plus 96, and let me double check. Yeah, we'll be previewing UFC 299. How does that look? Um, O'Malley and Vera is your main event. That's okay. Dustin Poirier and Benoit Saint Denis. That'll be violent. UFC debut of Michael Venom Page. Jack Dillo Maddalena getting a pretty big step up against Piotr Jan. Uh, not Piotr Jan, I mean Gilbert Burns. Jan is next. Piotr Jan desperately trying to right the ship against Song Yedong. That's a decent pay-per-view main card. Um, how about... What else do we got? Um, Don't care about Curtis Blades. and Actually, I do kind of care about Curtis Blades and Jailton Almeida. That was supposed to happen earlier, but Blades fell out. I, I, I want to see Almay to fight a strong wrestler, so I'm curious about that. Who is this woman they're feeding to Macy Barber? Oh, sorry, that's Caitlin Chukagian. She changed her last name. Well, she got married is what happened, sorry. I... So now it's Sermonara. How do you... <laughs> Some of the last name I could easily type out. Um. I don't care about... It. Uh, Mateos Gamrot and Rafael Dos Anjos. There we go. That's a good one. Pedro Munoz is good for a fight. Not much on the prelims. Um... Do I know who Asu Bayev is? I feel like I do. I feel like... I, the last name in particular, I feel like I've heard. Um... Scooting at the UFC 299. I just gotta check this one guy real fast. So I got Felipe Linz and Iwan Laba. Ooh. Uh, no, I don't care. Um, don't I want to say I've seen Almabayev. He's 18 and two. Yeah, he won his UFC debut against Dory Osborne. Okay, I thought his name was familiar. Okay. Anyway, full preview of 299 next week, so come back for that. Thank you all very much. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. You know the drill. Thank you again. I appreciate you. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe and behave.